0: Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Singer-songwriter Kazem Sultan is best known for his stint in Utopia, along with Todd Rundgren, Roger Powell, and Willie Wilcox. The addition of Sultan to the Utopia lineup in 1976 added a powerful singing voice that helped define the band's sound as they evolved from a proggy collective to a tight four-piece unit. Sultan provided the lead vocals for the band's biggest commercial hit, Set Me Free, and the band built a loyal following of Utopians during their ten years together, an era that produced eight studio albums and saw the band crisscross the country every year. In 2017, Sultan formed Chasm Sultan's Utopia for a series of sold-out shows featuring songs from the classic four-piece lineup of the band. Chasm is bringing the shows out again this time with Gil Esaias on keyboards, who toured last year as part of Todd Rundgren's Utopia. Chasm Sultan's career goes well beyond his stint in Utopia, and it includes session and live work with Meatloaf, Cheap Trick, Paul and and Blue Oyster Cult, just to name a few. Chasm Salton continues to perform in Todd Rungren's live band, and also finds time to record and perform his own solo material. When it comes to bringing people together, Chasm is one of the most accessible and fan-friendly artists around. A Facebook group, This Must Be Love, named after an early Chasm solo song, follows his career. And Chasm often interacts with fans doing live Facebook events and video updates from the road, on his own page there is so much more but for now sit back and enjoy a little bit of time getting to know one of the nicest guys in rock and roll Kaz himself
1: Chasm, I've already thanked you once before when you got on the phone but you know can't thank you enough and you are certainly very close to the top if not the top of the artists who I've I've loved since I was a kid and and I, I've watched your career as a, both you know in in different bands and there's been so many of them that are, that are that we can't even name them and then of course your great solo career as well um, you've got these chasm sultan's utopia to- shows coming up and I just want to use that that as a starting point, sure. I, I caught those shows earlier when you did them last year before the Todd Rundgren's Utopia Tour, and it oh, was did? just yeah, away.
2: you came down to uh, the Daryl's house show,
1: I think. No, it was the night before. It was in uh, Sellersville.
2: Oh, okay. Pardon me,
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no worries. Well, it amazes me how many fans name fan names you remember. Right? You, you you seem to, to, to remember people if, even if you've only met them once. That's sort of a, a that's a great thing, and, and that kind of talks about your ability to connect with people. This time you've got Esaias out with you. Yes. So, uh-huh. um, I guess first of all, I know you've told the story a little bit, but what was the the impetus for the first series of shows, and then maybe if you could talk a little bit more about the second set and what's going to differentiate these shows from the first time that you were out.
2: What was the impetus for the first for my first run of shows? Which was, by the way, it was only three shows. I did Daryl's House, uh, New York City, and Sellersville, Pennsylvania. So it wasn't really a a quote unquote tour, but people like to say you know people like to say that it it was a it was a string of dates. Let's put it like that. In any case, what what happened was, I, I, I mean. Since the ever since the band uh, Utopia that I was in, the four member Utopia, myself, Roger Powell, Willie Wilcox, and Todd. Ever since we kind of finished uh, our our career as a band in nineteen, I guess it was nineteen eighty six, was our last tour. Um, you know, uh, the fans uh, that I uh, I care so deeply about um, would constantly ask, "Are you guys ever getting back together again? Do you think you'll ever do a show again? Do you think you'll make a record? Have you spoken to Roger? Do you speak to Willie? Does Todd talk to Roger? Does you know? Does uh, I mean the questions were all always you know uh like rapids in rapid succession are the the, the the bottom line was are you ever going to do something again and aside from the um well up until uh, spring of last year aside from the the redo, redo tour in um uh, in 1991, 92? 92. Yep. Yeah. 92. Uh, there was really, we had spoken about it a few times, but there was really no plans for us to do, uh, another proper tour or a record or make some new music. Um, and, uh, the band, um, not only to myself, but to, to so many other people was, was, was such an important part of, uh, of their musical history, uh, in terms of what you, listen to what you what you gravitate towards what is important to you what what you um uh go back to uh, over the years and say how oh, i remember what i was doing when i heard that record uh this is my favorite song uh th- i remember that show blah 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 um <clears throat> i just felt that it before too much more time had passed that i would uh give a little something back to my my loyal fans and put together a small show uh with myself and a couple of other musicians and just play some utopia music um it was an extremely daunting task um it was uh, you know just just Selecting the material, <clears throat> excuse me. Selecting the material was hard enough. Uh, learning it again was uh, was was difficult. But um, I think all in all, uh, it came off really well. And uh, the the shows that I had booked initially sold out. And um, I always thought that uh, you know what, um, maybe I'll do this again after uh, after a while. We'll see. Uh, and then. Uh, and i guess it was august of last last year no uh august of 2016 was when there was some serious talk about uh putting utopia um or doing another utopia tour with myself todd and willie and roger at first uh roger Kindly said that he was in retirement and and he really didn't want to deal with the rigors of being uh, on the road. And uh, you know, it's not a, it's not an easy life. Like, granted, I always like to say I'm not dodging, you know, um, roadside bombs in Afghanistan but but it's you know it's grueling and uh and it's it's a little tough physically and as we get a little bit older it gets tougher and so roger could roger didn't feel that he was up to it and fair enough then we had to find somebody else and you know the rest is history i i i'm just going over the minutia with you yeah. um but uh you know uh we did that tour in the spring and then um uh, on the heels of that i i thought that before too much long uh, longer too much more time had passed that i would uh i would do my band again uh, i would do my version of utopia again the thing that that differentiates my version of utopia from the proper version with todd and willie and uh roger and ralph, ralph shuckett or whoever plays keyboards um on uh in that configuration is um i, I tend to try to pick songs that really haven't been uh haven't been played before in concert something that you know the fans would would find interesting uh and you know unusual for a, a band to do uh you know we did 10 records uh, or at least i was on 10 records with with the band and i think there was probably a you know um roughly uh 10 songs on each record so that's about 100 songs and and, you know, out of those hundred songs uh, during the course of, uh, of, of our touring life um, from 76 to 86, um, I guess we probably pay, played maybe 60 of them you know so that leaves another 40 songs that have never been played live you know or and, and i'm just guessing i'm just pulling numbers out of the out of thin air uh, i'm sure somebody knows the exact amount <laughs> and, and which ones we never did and which ones we we tried once and never did again but in any case the the point is is that um that I, uh, I like to mix it up a little bit. I don't sing just the songs that, uh, that I performed on record or, or live. Um, I do uh, other people's songs. Like last time I did this, I did a Willie song and a Roger song and, uh, and a bunch of Todd songs that he sang lead on. So I just like to, uh, you know, to keep it fresh and uh, to keep an old band fresh, I guess. Uh, And that's 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 going to be the the uh, the. the set list on on this new date. Now I have new dates coming up uh, n- uh, next month, and at the beginning of March, and uh, I'm going to be doing more n- new old songs, songs that uh, actually have never been performed before. So um, I'm I'm not going to give away the set list because I would like people to come and see it. But there are a few songs that I I know for a fact that Utopia has never performed live, and they happen to be some of my favorite songs.
1: Wow. I I mean, I know from seeing the other show, I think the thing that I shared with you at the time uh, was, was just how in tune you were with sort of, you know, I hate to use the term obscure, because there's, I mean, that's relative, but really in tune with sort of the fan-favorite fan, fan favorite songs that may not have gotten the most airplay or been played on every tour. I, I mean, like you said, there's so many to pick and choose from, and uh, I was blown away by, like, I Will Wait. I think that's a song that that the first time I heard it, you know, really just touched me. And uh, but, but again, like you said, there's so many songs that y- y- you almost can't win, because, like, even on my end, I go, man I really love to hear more light or love with the thinker but at some point you have to you got to draw the line I mean where is that line is it because it's harder to perform the song or just because you just run out of songs that you have to do
2: well, I mean, every show uh, has an arc, you know, it has a, a beginning, middle and an end. And um, I think you want to choose songs that complement one another, that uh, that kind of fit in the overall scheme and the bigger picture. So um, it's it, it, it kind of behooves you to. Um, to stay away from certain stuff and like for instance you know uh, as much as um as i enjoyed uh playing um singing in the glass guitar there's really you know if i was if I was doing a uh, an eight week tour with uh, with stage sets and lighting and and all that kind of stuff, maybe I might visit that at one point, um, but uh, that really doesn't uh, doesn't fit into a club setting, which is my my venues. The venues that I play in are all clubs, um, and, and you know, and it's a, it's a particularly long song, so it would take up a, a tremendous amount of time in the set, and that takes away from doing other. Material that I'd like to visit Um, you know there are a couple of songs like that I mean do I ever picture myself doing One Million Monkeys Nah, probably not you know that was was just an album cut that was you know kind of tongue in cheek for whatever reason or um, Sunburst Finish which was always a a big favorite of mine uh, to play live that's just an incredibly difficult song so there are there are songs that that you know are not going to work in, uh, in in terms of what what I'm doing with the uh, with my show, and uh, and like I said, uh, you know that uh, every show has has a start and a middle and an end, and it's got to kind of it has to have a flow. So you want to pick songs that uh, that go together well, that um, that people want to hear, and uh, and that you like too. You know that me, that I like, and me as an artist like.
1: And in terms of Utopia's importance as a band to, to different people, I remember you did a I think it may have been a video update or something when you were on the Don Felder tour and you'd met the guys from Styx and they were all saying, oh my gosh, you know, you're the guy from Utopia and there was a part of you that was that was like humbled by that, but I mean, do you you understand? I mean, I I guess it's, I mean, it was amazing music. I mean, are those types of things, I mean, are they still just like, kind of pinch me moments that there's people like a Tom Jennings, you know, or a Tommy Shaw or whoever that really just love Chasm Sultan and Chasm Sultan in Utopia?
2: I'll tell you what, a a few years ago, um, I uh, I guess it was maybe about four years ago, I think, Todd was uh, out with Ringo uh, and I went to one of the shows uh in uh I think it was eastern pa um and uh you know, I went on stage after uh, after sound check. I I got there a little early, and uh, I was with my son, and um, we're you know we're just sitting uh, standing on stage. I was talking to Greg Bissonnette and uh, uh, and Richard Page and um, Lukeather uh, Steve Lukather came by, uh, who's a good friend of mine, uh, and uh, he's I mean he's a, Steve is a brilliant music a musician and uh, and guitar player and. he said to my son he said dude your father was badass (laughs) and and, you know i I mean you know like now steve has been in toto for i don't know maybe 35 40 years something like that and uh uh, and I, I, I love Toto and, and and I grew up listening to their records and and trying to cop the bass lines and and, and you know and, and, and play song the, some of their songs and um, uh, in whatever uh, capacity, just learning it. Uh, and to have Steve you know say that to my son uh, you know unprovoked, um, just out of the clear blue. He didn't have to say that. That was just the, the best feeling in the whole world.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I feel like in many ways you and Steve are kind of cut from the same cloth and that you've appeared on so many albums, and I think part of the reason that you've been in demand as, as session musicians is because you're easy to work with. I mean, I mean, you think that that kind of goes a long way in terms of, and, and very talented. I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, obviously they just pick somebody who's easy to work with. you, you got to have the talent that goes with it. But if it's two guys with the same level of talent and one's easier to work with, isn't the easier to work with guy I always? going to get the gig
2: yeah i mean you know it it does you you do you do have to have a certain amount of talent but i think at the end of the day uh, it's you know does he work well with others um and that really makes a big difference as to uh, as to the amount of people that um, that seek you out and want to work with you because you're just nice to be around and and you give a good vibe to whatever project that you're working on so I think that that is a very important and integral part to um, to having a well rounded career you know um, that you got to be able to uh, to to be um a nice guy i guess you know a good friend of mine kenny aronoff who plays with i mean kenny plays with everybody and he's and he's a great drummer he really is um but he's just the the sweetest guy in the whole world you just want to be around him you know and i'm sure on some level that uh it's 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 almost as important as your talent
1: yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I think that, too, in terms of promoting your career and being you know an artist that has a dedicated fan base, that has served you very well uh, as well. I mean, and not just in Utopia or Joan Jett or Hollow Notes or whoever, or Meatloaf or whoever you've played with, but I think more importantly with your solo career. And, and that kind of leads me to, you know, these videos that you've done, either that were posted on YouTube on the road, or even the stuff that you're doing now for the top, or the Chasm Sultan's Utopia shows, um, is that was that kind of a conscious effort? Did somebody say to you, look, man, you've got the personality to, to put yourself out there like that, and it's really going to connect with people? Because on my end, I, I mean, I love it. It makes me feel a very personal connection with you. It, it makes you, you know, obviously shows your fans that you care as well. And, and how did that all just kind of evolve?
2: um you know i think that uh that the music business uh or music industry whatever you however you want to describe it has has changed so radically over the last 20 years 25 years especially with the advent of social media that you you kind of have to have that one-on-one personal connection with your with your fan base um because uh that's just what you do, you know, it's just what you do these days. It's not about, you know, um, being ensconced in a studio for six months creating a record and uh and then uh and putting it out there and uh, you know with some huge marketing campaign behind it uh it's it's so much more grassroots these days these days and uh and important that you maintain um a, a connection with the fans on a, a on a personal level um that uh you know for me um for an artist like me who's kind of you know i i, I mean i don't i don't want to I don't want to put a uh, slot myself into like where I fall in the uh, in, you know, in terms of popularity with uh, with any one audience. But for my audience, you know, the few thousand people that uh, follow me uh, regularly, um, it just that's just I guess I guess at the end of the day is just who I am. Now, does does, you know, does Mick Jagger do it? No. He doesn't have to, you know, um, he's been doing this long enough that he really doesn't have to. Does McCartney do it? Yeah, he does, as a matter of fact, Um, because it's just what you do these days uh so a lot of people do it and it's just that that's what this what what being a musician has kind of morphed into is that you know the the fan connection and maintaining it and keeping it vibrant and uh and and also it 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 makes people feel inclusive you know these days if you if you're working on a record you know you're more apt to have somebody in the in the control room turn on your phone take a video of me singing this lead vocal or uh or or watch me put down this guitar part and hey guys this is my new record you know and 30 seconds of of a song that they're that they're going to hear completed uh in a few months um it just it 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 just ties it all it kind of ties us all together you know, as opposed to keeping an artist on a pedestal, and uh, and not having any kind of personal communication with him other than the music.
1: I, I tell you it's, it's one of my favorite uh, stories from over the years of, of my seeing you is I took my young at the time he was I think gosh like 9 or 10 years old and I jammed him up at the front row of a Liars tour and he was falling asleep and you were chucking yeah. guitar picks at him and, and uh, then at the end of the show you came out and played thumb wars with him and joked about how I was dragging the kid out to a show and, on a school night and, and keeping yeah. him awake but you know it, it, it's, it's weird in the sense that you now have this sort of, like you said, this pedestal where the meet and greets are three hundred fifty dollars. But you've always been a guy that's willing to stand in a lobby and shake everybody's hands. I mean, and you've done both. So I mean, on some level, it must uh, it must feel weird when you're doing the big paid meet and greets because you're probably one of the. I, I don't know if I can put this out, but you're the, probably one of the easiest musicians for any fan to meet if they set their mind to it.
2: Um, I I guess I, you know, I don't know. I've, I've not tried to meet very many musicians. Um, but, uh, at the same token, you know, I, I think that it kind of speaks to, to who I am and how I, um, how I view my, my loyal fans and anybody who is, uh, kind enough to, um, take a little bit of their hard earned money and, uh, and time out of their evening or day to come and see me, uh, perform um i uh, i i feel a certain um uh not not a debt but um but a certain a certain amount of gratitude for that that uh that i'd like to acknowledge and so i do that by going out and uh, you know and spending you know a few minutes with with each fan and you know shaking hands and remembering names and taking selfies and uh and joking around i think that that um, that's really important to me, you know. Uh, now, having said that, maybe if I was uh, if I was in a different position, if I was say someone like uh, like a meatloaf who is you know who is particularly or when he when his career was um, was vibrant. Um, you know, he didn't have time to do that. He was, he was busy warming up for a show or he really wasn't, uh, um, he was friendly with the fans, but you know, he didn't go out of his way to, uh, to, to meet anyone or, or walk into a crowd and, and shake some hands. Uh, and may, maybe that's a, that's a poor analogy, uh, because he's a sweetheart. He's a really sweet guy and he, and he cares deeply about his fans. Um, but there's a level that you reach that, uh, prevents you from, um, from the one-on-one contact that, uh, that I'm uh, I'm able to do because I'm just not at that level. <laughs> so, so in a way, you know, my the my, the limited scope of my celebrity allows me to be a lot more um, uh, 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 accessible than if I were uh, really famous. I guess that's that's a good way to put
1: it. Well, you know, and maybe in, in Meat Loaf's case, because I've heard a lot of people just vocally, if they, they just can't talk on show days before a show or talk afterwards, or, you know, maybe they are talkative and their their publicist or whoever or tour manager just is like, hey, save your voice for the show. And I know Meatloaf has always struggled vocally. I, I don't say that to be mean. I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is, but that would kind of preclude him from being able to talk with people. I mean, your voice, I think I measured to you, even this, this Chasm Salton's Utopia, Tour, you're really handling a lot of vocals, but I, I don't, I can't remember. You said to me at Sellersville you had a cold and you weren't feeling. Oh
2: yeah, out. I was really sick in Sellersville.
1: But I didn't hear it. I mean, I, I mean, your voice no, always do. sounds great. I mean, I I can tell that you're definitely uh, very aware of that because it, it's you. But from a fan perspective, I've always been amazed at how well your voice has held up.
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, I I don't know. I always wish that I sang better than I do. Um, Uh, But I think that's probably, you know, because that's just that's that's just in my DNA. Um, I think that uh, that Sellersville show was very, very difficult for me because I was sick and uh, um, and I did have a uh, kind of a stuffed up head. And um, it's uh, the these shows that I'm putting together right now uh, or the show that I'm putting together right now. doesn't call for anybody else to sing and the last time I did this I had uh, two keyboard players in the band and um, uh, Wade who's a beautiful guy and a a brilliant musician um he sang a couple of songs uh and the drummer uh andy sang uh he sang you make me crazy uh wade sang caravan and feet don't fail me now um but this time around i am not doing uh, uh, uh not having anybody else sing i'm singing the entire show by myself I mean, there's background vocals, but uh, but nobody else is singing lead.
1: Well, that's I mean, that's great. I mean, honestly, you, you you again, even just your material from the Utopia era. It's considering how few times you've been on the road since the band broke up. I mean, like you said, there's so many songs that haven't even been presented. It almost makes more sense to set aside Roger's and Willie's material so that at least we can, or and I think you sing, uh, you may be singing, like you did last time, a couple of songs that were sung by Todd or, or whoever.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, I'm doing Roger's songs and Willie's songs in this show.
1: That's awesome. Glad to hear it. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you're probably uh, prepping for this tour and whatnot. And um, just throw you a, a couple other questions. Sure. You know, back to the. If we could go back to kind of the Utopia days, and I, I don't know that I've ever really heard you discuss it at great length when you left uh, to be, to become a solo artist. You worked with Bruce yeah. Fairbairn, and uh-huh. I think you've been overly critical of, of that album. I love that album from top to bottom, and he, he's gone on and. I mean, he did, you know, Permanent Vacation, if I remember correctly, but of course Slippery yeah. When Wet and so many different things like that. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, A, you know, with in terms of that album's popularity, do you think somebody may have dropped the ball in terms of promoting it? And B, what was the scenario when you came back to Utopia and... That that kind of the reception of the band when you said, hey, man, you know, I want to come back. And what what got you to that point? Does does that all make
2: sense? Those are two questions. Um, uh, Two separate, completely separate questions. Um, I think that uh, what happened with my first record, um, I had started the record, i had started a record uh with roy thomas baker uh and um I, to be perfectly honest with you you know to a fault um i i wasn't ready i just, i wasn't ready to to um i, di- I didn't have the, the best material that i could have had (laughs) um was it okay yeah it was all right you know it wasn't too bad it wasn't embarrassing but uh but my songs at that point were were weren't realized as as uh, they weren't as well crafted as they could have been um and uh you know uh so I started. Uh, I started the record with with Roy Thomas Baker, and Roy didn't really like any of my my demos, and so I was forced to start writing new songs on the spot. And that's just not the way that I work. Um, I tend to take a very very long time to complete a song, and uh, I paint over every note and word, and uh, every chord change, uh, and and then the recording process just you know takes even longer. So Roy got uh, a little um, impatient with me and uh, dropped out of the project. And we, at that point, had already spent about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the (laughs) record, uh, between you know hotels, air uh, flights, uh, studio costs, musicians, rent, uh, gear rentals, uh, Roy's advance, blah blah blah, this and that. so uh, I was immediately $150 $150,000 in the hole before Roy uh dropped out. Then when Roy dropped out, um, we I, I interviewed some some other producers and I I found Bruce and Bruce was just the one of the nicest guys on the planet uh and he was very uh loving and caring with me as an artist and allowed me to take my time and do things the way that I saw I heard them um, uh, so when all was said and done I I loved working with Bruce um, and it's very very sad that he's not with us any longer um, but uh, uh, I think I was into EMI for about $300,000 at that point point. Um, and when you when you're a new artist and you uh, present a record to the, a finished record to the record company uh, and it's that expensive and this was in 1980 dollars or 1981 dollars so uh, I'm sure if somebody did, did the math it's probably about three times that now close to a million dollars maybe um, the record company and he said well geez look at how much money he spent on this record it probably speaks for itself we don't have to promote we don't have to promote it. besides the fact that he spent his entire budget twice <laughs> on making it so uh so let's just throw it out there and see what happens um, and i really didn't get a whole lot of promotional dollars <laughs> simply because i had spent so much making it um and uh you know, it was a weird time in the music business. So, uh, there wasn't a lot of records being sold. Uh, I think if it wasn't for um, Kenny Rogers and Kim Carnes, uh, EMI would have been, EMI America would have been in serious trouble. Um, and so I just kind of got uh, thrown to the side. Uh, and, you know, in, in their defense, um, I understand. I, I, I really understand. Looking back, I, I, I know why that happened, and I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm not bitter or anything like that. If anything, I just wish the album was better. Now, when I speak to people like yourself and other people, and they say, oh, it was a great record, um, you know, my, my response is, I'm so glad you like it. I'm really happy that you like it Could I, do I have to like it too? no I don't I, I I mean don't get me wrong I do like it and I appreciate it but you know music is so subjective it's what you like and what other people like are two different things you know my son listens to listens to um, uh, EDM and, and thrash metal sometimes and I just don't get that you know I'm not a big rap fan uh, I'm I, I appreciate hip-hop but I I kind of don't like most of it um, so when it comes to my music you know I that record was very very important for me to do because it showed me what I needed to do um, the next time and- So, now, on to your next question. (laughs) If I can remember what it was. um, How did I go back to Utopia? Um, After my record kind of fizzled, um, I decided that... uh, it was a very, very bad move to uh, to have left the band. Uh, not not for any monetary um, uh, cause, but because I really needed I needed to learn more, and I had you know three of the best teachers in the world: Todd, Roger, and Willie. Um, and there was more to learn before I before I I ventured out uh, uh, on my own again. Um, and And, uh, and so I came back and I asked them if they would possibly take me back. I think that, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say who said what, uh, you know, uh, if if I if I got anybody upset or if they were on the fence about whether to take me back. I do know that uh, that poor Doug Howard was very upset that I wanted to come back. <laughs> but, um, you know, he took it in uh, he took it with grace and in stride and uh, and I wound up coming back to the band and I just, you know, I I, I, I ensconced myself in, in all things utopia trying to. To uh, be a, a really good band member and uh, uh, and contribute to the band.
1: Yeah, and you, I mean that's my favorite era is those last three albums. The self titled Oblivion and, and play this or, uh, POV are just amazing.
2: Well, press. even before that, it was the Network record that I came back on.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and that—that's the first tour I saw It was actually the the suits tour. That's how I the yeah. first time I saw you perform was in Rochester on Halloween, you know, nineteen eighty two. And that show was top to bottom. I mean, that set list and everything was just incredible.
2: Yeah, that was a great band. We really, really were, were a great band, and uh, and we worked well together. There was a there was a a, a really special chemistry that you only find once in a uh, in in a lifetime, and uh, and we had we found it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it only lasted with me. It only lasted 10 years, but um, that's okay. At least I had it
1: yeah absolutely and the and, and legacy is still there and, and people still love the music and you know bring it full circle and wrap it up we'll get a chance to experience it on this uh, on this upcoming tour and it sounds like we're going to get some really really cool deep cuts along with you know, yeah. some of the more popular cuts I'm sure we'll hear Set Me Free which is I guess I call it Hazel National Anthem in a way but. yeah you'll always hear
2: that <laughs> um, you know but you will hear some stuff that, you, that have, has never been performed before. Uh, there's at least let me see, one, two, three, about at least four songs that uh, or three or four songs that have never been performed live.
1: Awesome. Well, great. Well, again, Chasm, I uh, can't thank you enough. I'll be catching a show in Cleveland. Uh, oh, great. I'm really looking forward to it. It's I mean, when you first announced it, I was just just, just thoroughly excited because the show in Sellersville and even in spite of your cold, I was just I, I actually, actually teared up because it had been that long since i'd seen that much utopia music even though i saw the akron opening set but it's a band that means a lot to a lot of us your solo music means a lot to a lot of us so i guess from the chasm sultan fan world you know thank you so much for everything you've done and and thank you for being you just being a great guy and and even availing yourself today for this interview
2: Oh, I will. T- I'll sign off with this. Um, thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate it. you've been such a uh, a huge supporter and a loyal fan over the years, and I really appreciate that. Uh, and I am working on new material right now, as we speak. Um, uh, plan on doing another record uh, sometime along the, you know, through the year. I'll be working on it, and uh, hopefully uh, have something out early next year, or maybe even late this year. We don't know. Um, but I am uh, constantly writing and
0: and working on new stuff.
1: Okay. great! Well, that's that's uh, not to sound trite, but that's music to my ears.
0: So yeah, I'm very much looking forward thanks. to thanks. it. Okay.
1: Tom. <laughs> All right, Chasm, we'll, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll connect with you out in Cleveland and uh, stay warm.
2: Thank you so much, and you uh, have a wonderful day. And I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Casim.
0: Bye bye. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed connecting with musician Chasm Sultan. Please consider reviewing this podcast in Apple iTunes and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well. If you have any questions, email me at Tom, T-H-O-M, at coroniamediagroup.com. That's C-A-R-O-N-I-A, mediagroup.com. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more episodes of Music Connects People.